Do you know that uh, if you don't know that you know you're right with God, if you were to die right now, you'd spend eternity in hell. And that is so unfortunate. In a culture and in a land where the declaration of the Bible and the gospel is preached on almost every corner, radio, television, churches, 150 or so in this area, who most of them proclaim the gospel. The Bible says that in the last days that they will be blinded, speaking of a culture that's blind to the truth. And how do you take away the blindness? Through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Conviction is the love of God initiated by the Holy Spirit to identify a need in your life God wants to fix. The message today is on the Beatitudes, the fourth one. It's Matthew's Gospel, the fifth chapter, verse number six. God blesses, or it could, the word bless is happy. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be what? Filled. So this message today has to do with two things. One has to do with salvation and has to do with right living. Right living and salvation. Someone said the other day as I read the story of the testimony, a midlifer, individual who said I was an investment banker. I had everything. I had a wonderful home, a wonderful wife. I had cars. I had two houses. I had land. I had cash. I had everything that I wanted. I could travel anytime that I wanted to, wherever I wanted to go. And yet, all in all, though I was raised in church and understood what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ, along the way, I got busy, became more educated than ever, had experiences and opportunities that, that I could have never imagined. And along that path, I left God out of the equation. And even though I had everything that life could offer, or most things that money could buy, certainly not a multimillionaire, but I could go to Yeehaw Junction if I wanted to and pay for my own gas. Hello? He was a wealthy person. Yet he said, I was empty. How is that possible? I was empty. I needed more. He should have been familiar with the story of the individual who wrote Ecclesiastes. You remember who wrote Ecclesiastes? Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, thank you. You are listening. Solomon is the writer of Ecclesiastes. If you look at the first one, two, or three chapters, here's what you're going to find. Solomon said, hey, I was gifted a kingdom on a silver platter because of who my father was. Gifted the kingdom. I had wealth, money, women, wine. I became king, of course. I ruled. Other kings feared me. We had no enemies that could try to come against us. I had infrastructure that I built. I used my imagination. I had the money to fund it. And I had everything that any ordinary man or any individual had ever had. In other words, the Queen of Sheba came out of Africa and said, Wow, I've never seen such wealth. I have art. I have everything that I need. And yet, I still hungered. It's amazing that hunger that you often can experience. Have you ever been hungry for something and you didn't know what it was? 
That's been true with some of you. It's the age-old story. You go out to eat. What are you hungry for? I don't know. You know the story. Well, what do you really want to eat? I don't know. Just go ahead and go ahead and say, well, how would you like to go to a greasy spoon? No, I don't want to go there. Well, then how do you, how do you know what you're, it's like going in the middle of the night. Some of you, so I'm going to go to the refrigerator because I thought I needed a little something to eat. You open the fridge up, both doors, so all the cold air can get out. Well, what are you looking for? I don't know what I'm looking for. It wouldn't matter, sir, what you're looking for. You couldn't find it anyway. A bottle of ketchup can hide and sit on the front shelf staring you down from men. The point is this world is in terrible shape. They have hunger and a desire. And that's why so many challenges are taking place. More families are busting up, breaking up. More people committing suicide. More people in psych wards. More individuals taking more pills than you could ever imagine. And you would think the land of America is the land that many individuals who are coming from other countries would love to come to and think they had died and gone to heaven. And yet here in America... We have opportunity for all of it. And our culture today is blind, and our culture today is still looking for something more. Well, I'll find it in another relationship. No, you won't. Well, I'll find it by getting drunk. I'll find it by buying wine. I'll find it by all those things. I'll I'll mess around. I'll find it there. Here's what the Bible says. And this is straight-up truth. This is yard talk. Are you ready? It's Matthew. We read it a moment ago, 5, 6. God blesses, God favors. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So he says righteousness, hungering and thirsting is the only way that you're going to be filled. And here's what he says. He says righteous and filled means fully satisfied. When is the last time you met someone in your life, where you work, in the culture in which you exist, and have a person say, I'm fully satisfied, man. I got Jesus. I'm in love with God. I'm in love with my church. I'm in love with my wife. I'm in love with my family. I'm in love with all the things that I have. Life could not be better. When is the last time you talked to somebody like that? The reality is the powers of darkness and sin, which is the culprit, Keep us away from the things that really are important. But here's something else you may want to consider. How many people in the church, you would ask, boy, they're happy, they're excited, they're committed, they're dedicated, they're fulfilled. I tell you what, they are contagious. How many people do you see that in the local church across America today? Often the church is filled with far too many people that are apathetic, too many individuals that have so many other schedules and so many other things that the equation of actually seeking God and becoming righteous, which means right living. Oh, I know so many people. Check off. I shook hands with the pastor. Check off. I went to church twice this month and feel like, okay, I did that duty. Who, My friend, then go out and live any old liver-licking way they want to. Come on now. Say Amen. Just live it, and you know some of them. They think they're pious. They sing in the choir. They usher. They greet at the door, and I want you to know they did that. Don't judge. Be careful you don't. Because if you do, judgment will come to your house. Amen? To your house. The definition of righteous, if you turn to a theological uh, dictionary, you're going to find about 27 pages of different definitions 
The Bible says the Bible is righteous. It says God loves the righteous. He rewards the righteous. Noah was a righteous man. Abraham was a righteous man. David in Psalm says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. It's all in there. All in there. Righteousness. What is righteousness? Is right relationship. It means right with God. Romans 1.17, the good news shows how God makes people right with himself. How God makes people right with himself. The good news, another word from that, it's an old English word, it's called gospel. So good news and gospel mean the same. What are you going to do? I'm going to a gospel saying. There's a gospel preacher. There's a, there's a gospel church. It reveals to us that God, God and only God makes us right with himself. You cannot make yourself right. You cannot do that. He makes us right in that relationship that we have with him. I choose to live right. 1 John 2.29 says, all who practice righteousness are God's illegitimate children. What's it say? God's what? True children. You know what? There must be some running around as if they're speaking a righteous word but not living a righteous lifestyle. Turn to your neighbor and say, listen, that's for you. Go ahead. That's for you. So how do we deal with that? Well, I'll tell you how I deal with it, Pastor. It's that old age song you like. I'm only human. I'm just a woman. Get away, get away, get away. But listen carefully, listen. Yard talk, we give ourselves permission not to live right. Give ourselves permission. We give ourselves permission. And that's what this message is. People are out of sorts. I saw someone post the other day on Facebook. Oh, thank God it's hump day. Hump day? Hump day, what is that? You know what it means? Hey, today is what day would that be? Wednesday. Wednesday, it's hump day. <laughs> I'm hump day, why, why? If I can just make it to the weekend. Listen, God never intended for you to just barely exist. God never intended for you to say, oh, this is hump day. If I can make it to Saturday and Sunday, I'm going to make it. Uh, you know what God says? I want you to live in a righteous way that every day is a God-fulfilled day under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I don't have to go to bed guilty at night because my Jesus has taken my sins away. Did I make mistakes? Absolutely. But he is just and will forgive me of all my misbehaviors and touch my life under his anointing. Say amen, somebody. But don't take advantage of that. Well, I'll go out here, man, and I'll just carouse around. Look at the babes. <laughs> I, the, the, the mic cord here, I took this pack off. What a six pack, I tell you. <laughs> just saw it. I thought I can't believe it. But I took the pack off, which this wire comes down to here and I, I forgot it and some lady was chasing me after the first service you know pastor pastor I thought I heard I was going she said pastor pastor she got close said you got a tail I thought that's the first time in my life I've ever had a woman tell me I've got a tail I agreed with her I said I'm sorry that's the cord you know you just got to give everybody a little nudge you know what I'm talking about 
St. Augustine said, Thou hast made us for yourself, for thyself, and our hearts are restless until we find our peace in thee. Middle-aged man, with all the money in the world, your heart's restless until you made peace with Jesus. Solomon, your heart's restless until you make peace with Jesus. And you know what the devil will do? He will start you out on a path that'll get wider and wider and wider and wider, but the end will lead you to destruction. Amen? It will lead you there, and we know that is the absolute truth. So we come to realize that we were made by God for God. God made you for his pleasure, for his honor, and his glory. So, but here's what we do. We, you see, he gives us a choice. He said, I built heaven, and therefore I have made many mansions in John 14. But you can, you can spend your life disconnecting from God. Well, my mom and dad, they were raised in church. My mom and dad were really religious. My mom and dad had devotion. My mom and dad prayed. I remember my mom and dad, they raised us in church. Well, pray tell what happened to you. You became disconnected from God. You know why? You become disconnected from God. Oh, I understand, God. Are you in love with God? You see, the bottom line is, here's what we do. We like, we like to do it like my good friends at Burger King. We, we like to have it our way. Hello? Are you with me? We like to have it our way. I mean, here, have you ever heard? I've had, don't you preach to me. I don't want to preach to anybody. What I want to do is tell you the truth about who God is and where you're going to go. If you don't, if you decide to have it your way, you're going to mess it up every single time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can't handle a whopper with two hands. And my friend, you cannot have it your way and expect God to be pleased with you. Well, this sounds like a salvation message. You can't separate salvation from righteousness. You can't do it. You just can't do it. And so here it is. God, I want to go to heaven. I know that I'm dying, and I want to go to heaven. You know what God say? You want to go to heaven? You disconnected from me your whole life. You didn't want to pray. You didn't want to go to church. You didn't want to live right. You used my name in vain. You didn't want to even support me. You didn't do anything. Yep, cry out to me when you're in trouble now. And really, you want to go spend eternity with me, the very person you rejected your whole life, and now you want to spend eternity with me? Really? Really? You see, there's just no way around this deal. Some of you men out there, listen to me. God's going to hold you responsible. This is a big step for not being the kind of spiritual leader God's called you to be. Well, I ain't that way. You better get a life and get it quickly. And if you've got children and grandchildren, you know who they're looking at? They're looking for Big Daddy. Hello? They're looking for you to stand up and be a spiritual man, to stand up and be a godly husband, to stand up and say, listen to me, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Don't you let your wife lead you spiritually. You be the person that is leading there, and that will cost you nothing. But you know why you don't? You want it your way. So I ain't never coming back here. Have it your way. So here we go now. I cannot make myself righteous. How many of you have ever met a good man? 
Come on, come on now, it's not a trick. How many's ever met a good man? How many of you ladies are seated beside a good man? A good man. How many have ever met a good woman? And it's not a country song either. A good woman. A good woman. But good men and good women, just for the sake of being good, are not going to heaven. That's what the Bible says. I can't make myself. We're all imperfect, and we understand. The reality is we are all sinners that need to be saved by grace. Jeremiah 13, 23 says, Can a leopard change its spots? No, a leopard can't change its spots. Well, how does an imperfect person become a perfect person? Is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now listen, heaven is going to be filled not with imperfect people, but with perfect people. Perfect people only become perfect through the blood of Jesus Christ. So this makes sense to you. A good man who's never committed to Jesus, never said a sinner's prayer, never saluted God, never talked about God, lived their way any way they want to, come to church and enjoy life and then go out and curse like a living sailor and look at things you shouldn't look at and then expect to come drifting in the church and God say, oh, you're such a saint. You know good and well you're not a saint because you're not living right. Living right honors God. It's called righteousness. Blessed are the righteous, for they will be filled because of God's favor in their life. Ecclesiastes 7.20, there is not a righteous person on earth who always does what is right and never sins. Not one. What makes us righteous? Romans 3.20, no one can ever be made right in God's sight by doing what the law commands because the more we know God's law, the clearer it becomes we cannot keep it. I asked a man the other day, hey, are you a follower? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a follower. Who's your pastor's name? Well, man, they changed down there about six months ago. And, uh, but let me see, it'll come to me, it'll come to me. How many know what my name is? Amen? Thank you so very much. <laughs> Einstein is not it. <laughs> well, how do you, are you going to heaven? Yeah, why? Because I'm a good person. Are you serious? I said. Yeah, he said, I, I, I keep the commandments. You do? So keeping the commandments, you, you feel keeping the commandments is going to cause you to go to heaven? Well, yeah, I'm a good man. I keep, keep the commandments. I said, well, name one. He could not name me one. Now, here's, I'm from Eagle Lake Elementary School. But here's what I'm thinking. If you can't name them, how do you know which one you didn't keep and which one you did keep? Hello? You can't name them. You can't name the Ten Commandments, and yet you keep the commandments. You know, that's not it. God doesn't grave us on a curve. He grades, grades us on the fact you're either right with God, or I'm a saint compared to Adolf Hitler you might be. But what is a saint? It's a person that's been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and decided to live for God. So here's number 
Two, God sent Jesus to pay for my sins so I could be declared righteous so that I could be called righteous so that I could get in because of Jesus' sacrifice. Jesus redeemed me of my sacrifices. So if I live a life of crime and go before the judge and he slams it down and say, life in prison for the rest of your life, then that judge gets up, takes his robe off, goes down and stands beside you and said, I just sentenced you to life imprisonment, but I am going to take your sentence. You're a free man. Exactly what Jesus did for you. For he says, if that sin is allowed to exist, the wages of sin is death. Nobody, very few that I've ever met, want to go to hell but most everybody i met no matter how foul mouth and no matter how corrupt they are many thought i'm a good person but the straight up truth is you see it's the righteousness of jesus christ and you already know that there are many religions, there are many churches that say, this is what you got to do to be saved. You got to, you know, the Muslim faith or some Buddhist or whatever the case, and some way well, you got to bow 10 times. You got to go once a year here. You got to do there 10 times a day. Christianity is not defined by what do. Christianity is defined by another word. It's called done. Done. There's nothing else to do because he done did it. Hello? How you like that English? Huh? He done did it. What did he do? He died on the cross that whosoever will should come before him and confess his name shall be saved. And let me tell you something else, my friend. I have a strong believer that once you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, you might get out of line. You might get out of step. You might turn your back for a little while. But I'm telling you, that brand of God's love is still on you. And you can run to the highest hill. And he's still going to be there. Crawl under the lowest rock. And he's still going to be there. Swim to the widest ocean and when you find the shore he is going to be there and say welcome on in put your hands together and let's thank him for his grace and his mercy we've all sinned Romans says Paul says in Romans sin falling short of God's glorious standard but God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. He's done this through Jesus Christ. He's freed us by taking away our sins. He sent Jesus to take the punishment of our sins and to satisfy God's anger against us. And we are made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed. We are made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed his blood, sacrificing his life for us. There are two symbols of good news gospel of a redeemed person one is holy communion we take that at least once a month holy communion that says god we remember what you did even jesus said do this in remembrance of me holy communion the other is water baptism if you my friend have never been water baptized why well, you say, well, I don't have to be water baptized to go to heaven. That's not the kind of spirit that you ought to have as a person who's been redeemed. You're looking at a guy who's probably baptized four or five times. Why? Because I just wanted to be sure because I'd get baptized and run out and say, uh-oh. 
It's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. When's a baptism service again? I got baptized in pools, ponds, and lakes. Y'all with me? Never got sprinkled, though. But baptism, what does that do? It says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. It's real to me. It's not a head knowledge. It's some, not some emotional decision. It's something I feel deep within me, as Jeremiah said, that wheel within a wheel that I cannot get away from, and I just got to tell the world that I know in whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep my salvation against the day that comes against me. God, I might fall off the wagon, but I'm going to get back up there and crawl some more and ride because I love you. Hello? Lady, if your husband goes to talking that way, shout to high heaven and don't ask him if he's delirious, okay? Just shout for it. Here's something else I think is important. Titus 3, 5, God saves us not because of righteous things we've done. So the works and the good and this doesn't do it, but because of his mercy. And I accept by faith, that's it, number three, what he did for me. I don't understand how he did, why he did. I just know he did it. You know, he did it. We made right in God's sight when we trust Jesus Christ. Trust is a key word. Trust Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we all can be saved in the same way no matter who we are or what we have done. Who, who or what. He redeems us. This thing called righteousness. Romans 10, if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. For if you believe with your heart, resulting in righteousness, living, righteousness, you believe in your heart and then you live right. And you confess with your mouth, resulting in salvation. You see, nature's law is 24-7. Nature's law doesn't say, oh, I'm going to get up at 3 o'clock because I believe nature's law is not working from 3 to 4. You're going to throw a ball up, and it's just going to hang in the air. The law of nature says, uh-uh, it doesn't matter if it's 3 o'clock. You throw the ball up. What goes up must come down. That's the law of nature. Nature's law is you get up in that balcony up there and say, you know what? I think I'm going to fly. Well, here's what I'm going to ask you. Is your life insurance up to date, and can I be the beneficiary? That's what I'm going to do, because I know you jump, you're going to fall. That's nature's law. You know what the spiritual law is? I am the way. I am the truth. And no man can come to the Father except through me. That is truth, and that is supernatural truth. That truth never, never, never changes. I'm the way. I am the truth. So just right now, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And right in the middle of this message, we'll get to the end in a moment, I'm going to ask you, are you really ready should the Lord come? Is your heart really sold out? What made you come to church today? Did you come because somebody influenced you? Or did you come because you really wanted to be here? Did you come because you're in love with Jesus and you thought, I just couldn't stay home. Church is where I belong. Or did you come for some other reason? It really doesn't make any difference. What matters is you're here right now. And God has something to say to you. 
And through the preaching of the Word, God can convict you. And right now in this moment, I'm going to ask everybody, that's everybody breathing, to repeat this sinner's prayer just in case there's one. Would you do that? Dear Jesus, I have sinned. And in my prayer, I am asking for forgiveness. I have messed up. I have misbehaved. I have walked away. But today, I'm coming back to you. I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sins. And right this moment, those things in my life that I have control over, that I know you're not happy with, I'm going to stop them by the grace of God. Help me, Jesus, to be strong in my faith. Amen. Would you put your hands together and let's just thank God. So how do I stay spiritually hungry? I prayed that prayer. How do I stay spiritually hungry? Just a few things. I need to remind myself how much God loves me. Wow. Someone said, I really don't feel close to God. Well, that's not the issue. There are times in your natural life that you're not going to feel close to God. There are times that your human behavior is going to make you believe that the enemy will speak into your life and say, well, I don't know where God is. Just remember this. He's omnipresent. He's right there. He's right there. But here's the real question. The question is, I don't really feel close to God. The question is this. Do you understand just how much God loves you? Do you know how much he loves you? Just how much? Ephesians 3, pray that you have the power to understand how wide, long, high, deep God's love really is. And may you experience the love of Christ. And though it is great, you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. So when you say, God, I realize how much you love me. Number two, stop filling up on junk food. What does that mean? How many has ever been out to eat? May I see your hand? How many has ever been out that did not drive and did not involve a drive-thru? How many has actually gone in a restaurant, sat down, and ate inside the restaurant? Come on, it's all right. Okay. Now, how many have ever ordered an appetizer? Appetizer. That's what it is, appetizer. Now, maybe, maybe you've ordered um, that onion thing from Outback. Maybe you've ordered the nacho cheese at Chili's. Hello? Maybe you've ordered the fried cheese sticks with that red stuff at Beefo Brady's. Are, are y'all with me? And you say, oh, I'm feeling good. Won't you give us a couple of those appetizers? And you eat the appetizers, and then about that time, what you ordered as your main meal comes. 
And what do you think? Great day. I'm full. I could have just eaten the appetizers and missed the nutritious cheeseburger and french fries. <laughs> missed it completely or missed the chicken wings. You see, here's what, here's what he's saying. Hey, if you fill up on junk food, well, Proverbs 15, 14 says it, a wise person is hungry for truth while the fool feeds on trash. Hello? So I don't want to fill up on junk food. I want to fill up on the main course that God has. And then here's something else. Make knowing God your number one goal. Not making money, not I'm a hard worker. Make God your number. Psalm 63, oh God, I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. As I travel through this parched and weary desert where there is no water. And some of you are going through desert places right now. Family breaking up, marriage breaking up, finances are not there, difficulty in relationship. You got an unruly kid that can't keep their smart mouth shut. That's a desert place. And what does he say? I thirst after you. And that's not a love song, sir. If you got somebody you think you like in this room, you probably said to her, if you thought about it before I said it, oh, I want you to know, darling, I can't wait for us to get together because I thirst for you. My body longs for you. Keep your mouth shut. Hello? And you know the emotion that goes with it. You know what the psalmist is saying? Hey, God, my soul thirsts for you. I can't have enough of you. I can't get enough of you. I, 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 I go to close my eyes, I still see you. I walk in the light, and I still see you. I lay down at night and look into the stars, hallelujah, because you got a moon roof, and I see you up there too. How wonderful is that? That kind of relationship says if you thirst after righteousness, you'll be fully satisfied. Fully satisfied. Make knowing God your number one goal here. Number four, get into God's Word. Not just gnaw on it. Eat it. Get in His Word right here. Not just passively say, well, I read a one-minute devotion. That's it. But I mean taking the time to say, I need to read the Bible, 1 Peter 2 says, you must crave the pure spiritual milk so that you can grow into the fullness of your salvation. You prayed the sinner's prayer, but now crave the spiritual milk and cry out for this nourishment like a baby cries for milk. You with me? I got it down. I had three kids, nine grandkids, and one great. I know how they cry. I know how Sharon cries when she needs nourishment too. I'm telling you. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? Everybody know what I'm talking about? This is, this is not the kind of stuff you're going to run out of here and say, oh, hallelujah. I just feel like dancing through the aisles. This is one of those times, a great day. He unloaded on me. But see, here's the real question. What you going to do about it? What you going to do about it? We need people today who live for Jesus. Paul says, and finally, 
Your appetite should be influenced by association. Let me tell all you single women, if you're going to date somebody, date a believer. I mean a bona fide believer. Not somebody who says it because they want to get next to you. Hello. And I've heard the hurt stories and I've heard all of that. So I'm just telling you straight up. Find somebody more spiritual than you are. Amen. Amen. Be patient and wait. You hang out, you hang out with somebody, you young people out there, if you're gonna hang out with somebody, don't hang out with some kid that smokes dope. Don't hang out with somebody that every other word's a curse word. Don't hang out with somebody they're so in love with themselves they don't have any friends. Hang out with somebody that's gonna help you get things right before Jesus Christ. That's important. That's important. I had, a, I had an individual I pastored in my first church. He was about this tall. He bought himself a Honda Ultraglide. Big thing. When he drove it up to the church the first time, his legs were show, so short he fell off of it. I said to him, Rich, what in the world are you doing with that? He said, I'm going to be, he couldn't talk plain. He, he said, I'm going to be a witness to those people on the beach. I'm thinking, thank, thank God for the heart of the matter. Thank you for the heart of the matter. But the point is this. He, he didn't have the credential to be able to do that. He'd hung out with some bikers who made him go out and spend his state money that he received to make payments on something that he couldn't even ride. That's bad influence. Proverbs 2.20, join the company of good men and women who will keep you on the path of righteousness. Hang out with those that encourage you. Hang out with those that exalt God. Hang out with those that have the lifestyle. Hang out with those that you know say, I believe in Jesus. And listen, all of us have in our lives men and women, moms and dads, uncles and aunts, brothers and sisters that are truly God-fearing in love with Jesus' people. Amen. Hang out with those people because those people love you more than you could imagine. Amen? Amen? Let's stand to our feet or whatever it is you stand on. <laughs> Father God, I thank you. I thank you because we need you. I thank you because we're in love with you. I thank you because we can try it any other way that we want, but no other way is going to work. We need you. I pray that something is stuck in the heart of every person here today. I pray there's some form of conviction that says to all of us, well, you need to move the needle just a little bit. You need to make a, you need to make a better commitment. You need to resolve some things. You need to say no some things. You need to really make your mind up to walk in faith. Not hang out with a crowd that is going to post you on Facebook and cause those who see you in church to say, wow, I thought they were a follower of Jesus. Don't judge. God, we have young people, 12, 13, 14 years of age, they're looking for role models in young adults. We have millennials who are fact-finding individuals who want to see role models out of young married couples. 
We have office workers whose life is a mess that we work with who are really looking for the real deal and not someone just to blend in with their crowd because of acceptance. Love is always acceptable. It's always acceptable. Would you speak to every person, every heart, every life? Would you speak to that man in the room today who's quasi in their lifestyle for Jesus? And if they look back on the choices that they make, if it's a choice that brings comfort and choice that fits, a choice of having their own way is occasionally making a sacrifice to do what they know. God, people are depending on me. Help them with that. Jesus, help us in our business dealings. The dollar does not rule, but ethical behavior always wins. Help us in Jesus' name. You may be in this room this morning and your life is a mess. Maybe you prayed that prayer. If you prayed that prayer, some of you need to get water baptized. It's tonight. You see the bulletin. You need to show up. Let me encourage you to do that. But you might be in this room and you think, well, I got a mess of problems. Or maybe physically, no one knows that you're fighting a physical battle. Maybe no one knows just how tight your finances are. And you need God to drop a miracle. No one knows relationally what's going on in your family, but you do. And you need a miracle. Or maybe there's information that not yet come to you that you don't even know about, but God's already pricking your heart and trying to prepare you for something that may not feel so good. Would you guide us? And Lord, would you let us look at those around us that we love and be honest with ourselves? That if they're not right with you, Jesus, if they're not in love with you and in love with your church, you can't separate the bride from the groom. Then chances that they're not right in their heart. God, help us all. So whatever we need, I ask you, by the power of your word, to give us healing. Maybe we want to stand in for someone that we know is up against it. And we need their help. And we need to encourage them. Help us in Jesus' name. If you need, for whatever reason, God's directing you now to just slip into this altar. I got to tell you, some of you prayed that sinner's prayer. You want to get an energy boost? A real energy boost? Here it is. Just boldly step out of your pew and slip down to this altar. And when you get here, just raise one hand of surrender. Say, God, I'm not ashamed. This is a struggle, but I'm not ashamed. I have to have you. As we sing this song, we'll give the benediction. You come right now, whatever your need is. Would you do that?